Chart Chat is a member of the Tiege.fm network from WTJU Radio. Find out more at Tiege.fm. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Hello! Hello, everybody. It's Monday, July 16th, 2018. Back from the dead. I am Tanner Green. And I'm Caitlin Flay. And you, our cherished dear listeners, are listening to Chart Chat, your weekly guide to the past week of pop singles hitting the US and UK charts. <gasps> Caitlin, we're back. It's happening. Oh, I, I have emerged from the other end of my exams victorious, and I'm now back on the podcasting horse. How are you? Yay! I'm good. Um, I got a job. Yeah, you did. Uh, so I'm super excited, prepping for that, and um, just like all around, super happy to be back. It's been a while. It's been such a while, which we apologize for. Life happens. It does indeed, but the charts continue. They're happening. They are happening a little bit less so on the UK side for obvious <laughs> reasons. <laughs> we'll get to so that. So we're going to start at number 100 with Asco and Lowski with their song Check. At number 98, we have Florence and the Machine with Patricia. 97, Florence and the Machine again with Big God. At number 85, we have a collaboration between Sigala, Sean Paul, Fuse, O-D-G, their song feels like home number 77 we have lmi's booed up number 74 hardy caprio featuring one asin debut with best life at number 63 we have a hugh jackman song from the greatest showman <laughs> keep popping up this one is come alive and then we don't dabble in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 100s, we leap straight up to the top 10. I'm sure you guys can anticipate what we got going on up here. It's Drake. Number five, we have his song Emotionless. Number four, we have his song Nonstop. And at number two, we have Drake featuring Michael Jackson with Don't Matter to Me. So, Caitlin, you and our other listeners might be wondering why there were only three of those Drake songs in the top 100 of the UK. And that is because, little tidbit, after Ed Sheeran's album Divide came out and completely destroyed the charts over there, the official charts company decided to limit any given album to only three songs at a time, or just in general, that could be on the charts. But over here in the US, we do not have that ah. limit. No, ma'am. Not it's at terrifying. all. Terrifying. So it is terrifying. I bring that up because any Drake song that is on Scorpion that was not already released as a single is on the uh, Billboard Hot 100. So once we get to that <laughs> Drake marathon, we're gonna do another lightning round like we do to try to <laughs> spice things up. But before then, at number 99 we have Alicia Cara with Growing Pains. Debuting at number 93, there's Old Dominion with Hotel Key. I got a hotel key. <laughs> Sorry. You can keep the hotel I've, key. I haven't been singing that's, in a while. That, that's your that's your key, not mine. You can keep it. <laughs> you can also keep uh, Luke Bryan's song, Sunrise, Sunburn, Sunset, at number 86. You're so mean. Um, 
It's one of the I I like that album a whole lot. It came out last year. What makes you country? But that was one of the few songs that I was not into, and still not really feeling it. Also, definitely not feeling Morgan Evans at number seventy six with Kiss Somebody. Debuting at number sixty three, there's Queen Nigel with Karma, which is basically medicine done over again, but it's still good. And that brings us to our Drake Block. Drake Block. Debuting at number fifty seven, March fourteen. No. Nope. Debuting at number fifty six. Final Fantasy. Nope. No. Don't particularly want to hear date Drake do a, a sex rap. That's not my <laughs> not my <laughs> preference if I can help it. Dipping at number fifty one, Drake with Ratchet, happy birthday. Yes. No, no, no. Dipping at number fi- uh forty two, not fifty two. Dipping at number forty two. Finesse. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. Absolutely. No. No, no. It reminds me of Kanye West's Heartless and Kanye did it better. Sorry. It's another conversation. <laughs> Debut at number 41, there's Drake featuring Static Major and Ty Dolla Sign with After Dark. Yes. No. Debut at number 38, Drake, Peak. Yes. Nope. Debut at number 37, Drake, That's How You Feel. Gonna say yes. Possibly, maybe. <laughs> You're so generous. Number 36, Drake with Is There More. I'm gonna say yes. No. Debut at number 32, Drake with Jaded. I'm gonna say yes. No. <laughs> Debuting at number 30, Drake, Blue Tint. Yes. Nope. Dipping at number 28, Drake with Summer Games. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Very yes. Mm, see, I'm on the fence with this <laughs> one because like, I'll, I'll explain later. I'll explain later. Because we'll be talking about it. You better believe. Dipping at number 27, Drake, Sandra's Rose. Yes. No. Dipping at number 21, Drake, 8 out of 10. No. Yep. Dipping at number 20, Drake featuring Jay-Z, Talk Up. I'm going to say no on this one. See, this is so weird <laughs> because I loved this song. Nope, nope, I nope, thought nope, this nope. one had energy and Jay-Z, like, I don't like Jay-Z. And right. it was good. It was really, really good. Okay, sorry. It's like one of the four songs on this album I don't like. Debut number 18, <laughs> Can't Take a Joke. Yes. Maybe. Debut number 17, Drake with Survival. Yes. No. Debut number 14, Drake with Elevate. Yes. No. Debut at number 13, Drake with Mob Ties. Yes. Mm, maybe. We'll see. Debut at number nine, yes. Drake featuring Michael Jackson with Don't Matter to Me. Yes. No. So boring. <laughs> <laughs> Debut at number eight, Drake with Emotionless. I'm going to say yes. Maybe. Drake, number six, In My Feelings. Barely. Kiki, yes. do you love me? Are you riding? Mm, yeah, I'll say yes to that one. I don't actually know the it's words. It's catchy. Caitlin's into it. And also, <laughs> the U.S. public is into uh, Nonstop by Drake, with the, which debuts at number two. I'm going to say uh, yes on that one. No. So, before we dive into that, Caitlin, I'm going to let you uh, say your piece before we engulf ourselves in Scorpion. What you got? Yeah. I pre- like, I don't know. I pretty much, going into this week when I saw the charts and then subsequently laughed... I knew that we were going to talk about Drake, who I consider to be one of the most overrated male rappers of all time. So I figured I would do something a little bit different, a little bit weird, and kind of do a throwback. So we're going to talk about an English woman named Ella Mai, who is storming the charts across the pond this week. We're going to talk about Boot Up. A little bit of background with this one. We did mention it before. So 
currently it's in its 14th week on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. The song peaked at number six, and it's really not falling quickly by any means, which is quite surprising. Last week, it did slip one spot on the Billboard Hot 100 and with the flood of Drake songs that we just went through, and now finds itself at number 14. It held the deluge of Drake and is still in the top 20. I think that's incredible. Rappers in the UK are losing their minds about this mainstream success in the United States for LMI. And it's kind of interesting that it's not only a black R&B artist that's finding herself like at the top of the charts, but she's a woman too. And we've talked a lot about grime artists that I've enjoyed that have not had mainstream success like this in the US and maybe never will. So I really can't stress how massive this is for a UK artist who's only 23 years old. But enough about the US. While we listen to this clip I'm about to play you of Boot Up, I would like you to contemplate why, why, why this is the first time we're seeing it on the UK charts and why it's ranked so low in comparison to its US equivalent. Keep that in your minds. Let's listen to LMI's Boot Up. So again, that was LMI's Boot Up, debuted at number 77 this week, just as a refresher. And to answer our questions that I have so kindly posed to you, dear listeners, I'm wondering if the inclusion of online video streams has anything to do with this song randomly popping up over in the UK. So let's take it back, take it way, way back a little bit. That was a logic reference. For anybody who listens to Logic, um, we were sorry. Um, we recorded an episode a few weeks ago. I think it was even back in June, but we never released it. There's audio floating in the ether that, if you really want to hear it, we'll send it to you. Um, but the UK official charts announced on June 24th, 2018, that it's entering a new era this summer as Apple Music, YouTube Music, Tidal, and Spotify add video streams and downloads to their chart platform calculations. So this means for the first time ever, music videos are going to count towards the weekly rundown in the UK. So the US was already doing this I don't know the algorithm they use or whatever percentages they divide it into, but 
In the UK, the change became effective on July 6th. So we're into kind of this first and second week of seeing the effect. And I think this has a lot to do with why we're seeing Boot Up right now. Currently, the music video for Boot Up has about 133, maybe almost 134 million views on YouTube. So part of the answer to our questions then, I think has a lot to do with video streaming. The second part of this, I think, has to do with LMI's really unusual childhood. So a lot of artists, especially black artists from the UK that we tend to talk about on this podcast, have been born in London and have been raised in London and continue to live in London. LMI moved from London to New York City at the age of 12 and then moved back after high school. So she was there for maybe just six years, I'm guessing. 18 is usually when you finish high school in America, right? I think. Yeah. She also unsuccessfully competed on season 11 of The X Factor as part of a girl group, I think it was. It was so uh, like forgettable that I really don't remember that much about it. But I do remember her popping up season 11. Didn't get very far. So like I said, she's 23 now. She is signed to DJ Mustard's label called 10 Summers Records. DJ Mustard is also really young. He's like a 28-year-old American record producer, record exec, actor. He's acted and stuff. He DJs regularly. I mean, he does it all. And I think LMI might be the only person signed to his label right now which is kind of interesting. I couldn't find too much about the label, but maybe to give you guys a reference or a pointer, DJ Mustard produced Tyga's single, Rack City. I know Tanner's yeah. a big fan of that one. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Rack City. But you're not as big a fan of Boot Up. You want to talk a little bit about that? I don't actually have that much to say. It's one of those songs that I listen to and I'm like, yeah, this is decent. Yeah, this does nothing for me. Like, I, I can't at the risk of sounding like a cop-out like I don't there's nothing I can point to that makes me dislike it or think it's bad or uninteresting it just doesn't click with me yeah and I think that is it's almost why it's so likable and an earworm I love the the boot up kind of thing how she's talking about her heartbeat and also like boot up meaning yep. like oh you have someone or you're in a relationship with someone or whatever you have so it's been kind booed. of like You've been booed. That's kind of, I don't like saying it that way because it seems like <laughs> negative. <laughs> like, boo, you suck. So another answer to those questions that I posed of why we're seeing this after its major success in the U.S., why it's just popping up in the U.K. now, is because LMI released her EP, which is titled Ready, through this American label and has ties to this American record producer, it has to be the reason why it is successful in the U.S., working with Americans, releasing through an American label. Nicki Minaj and Quavo just remixed the song, and it's, I don't think, as good as the original version, but those are probably DJ Mustard's contacts, not LMI. She doesn't, she, I don't think she knows anyone here, and correct me if I'm wrong or if you've heard something different, Tanner, but this is probably also making the song more famous in the U.S., so I'm kind of happy in conclusion. I'll wrap things up because I know, everyone, you're dying to hear about Drake. And trust me, Tanner's got some great info for you. Mm -hmm. But LMI isn't viewed as a turncoat 
in the UK. And that surprises me a bit because it makes you think what might happen to people like Stormzy or Dave or Skepta or any of our favorites that have like never charted in the US if they started working with American labels. Would their art change drastically? Would it be seen as selling out? I have no clue. But I will say I'm very excited for LMI and I'm happy that the community back in London especially is kind of supporting her with all they got. Tanner, that's about all I have to say about this song. I got an excited look on my face. Uh, you know what that means. It means here it's we time go. to talk about Scorpion. I'll do my best to try and like be as positive as I can, everybody. But I listened to this album when I was driving in bumper-to-bumper traffic on the Beltway. (laughs) And that might have had something to do with my distaste for it, but Tanner, take it away. Yeah, I feel like if you listen to anything for six hours, you'll probably get sick of it. But the general public has certainly not gotten sick of Drake. He came out with the... It's about 90 minutes when the album came out. End of last month. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it a whole lot. Not just because I think it's very good, but also because it is a colossal release. First, I want to get out of the way. The stupid Spotify controversy. Caitlin, I think you and I were chuckling about this. So when the album came out, Spotify put Drake's face on pretty much every playlist conceivable. Even (laughs) playlists that had nothing to do with Drake and that he was not on. So like Bedroom Pop. Drake's face was on that, even though there wasn't a Drake song in the playlist. Some people got their feathers ruffled by this. They started comparing it to, if you remember, a number of years ago when U2 released Songs of Innocence and Apple just put the song in everybody's iTunes library. That was so scary, though. <laughs> no, I'm not. I still not... have it on my phone. I, st- I can't get rid of this U2 song. Uh, yeah, and they had to make a, like a special website for people to remove it from. Yeah, I'm not disputing that that was uh, unsettling. But I think the yeah. Spotify thing is not that egregious. Like, yes, it's tacky and dumb. But guess what? Pop music and especially pop advertising is often tacky and dumb. And especially given the number of things you could feel kind of frustrated with Spotify about whether it's their impact on the music industry as a whole, whether it's the very, very low royalty rate that artists are receiving, which disproportionately impacts uh, less famous artists. Like, this seems like a weird, quote unquote, battle to fight. Like, people are being like, I want a refund. There's too much advertising. And it's like Spotify advertises to you all the time, even if you're paying for premium, which I, both of us are like you and I both pay for Spotify premium. And like, there are always bands on the front of those, on those, those playlists, but maybe you feel differently. I, I don't know. I just feel like the reason that it made me a little bit mad was because it's like people think that Drake is this like God or this person who is like the sexiest guy alive or something and I feel like that is the total opposite like his life is kind of a mess and all he cares about is like Instagram etiquette and that kind of I don't know the reason it made me mad was because it made me think all of those things like ugh, Drake okay like now your face is everywhere I really needed this but I don't know maybe that doesn't make sense I think it makes sense Uh, like Drake is a we'll say omnipresent musician now so more than ever and 
I think it makes sense to have that kind of a reaction to someone who is shoved in your face all the time. <laughs> I think if people were more honest about the fact that that's what they're frustrated with, as opposed yeah. to Spotify making some grand intrusion into their privacy when it's really nothing that is that out of the ordinary. That's where I start to get a little frustrated. And that's kind of yeah. where I'm at with the response to Scorpion as a whole. Like I, I we'll, we'll get to the response a little more later, but some people are a little mixed on it. And I think, I think in a lot of cases, that's a very understandable reaction to a musician who is this, like he's putting out scads of songs every year, pretty much. And they're all blowing up in this incredible way. And people are going to get tired of it eventually. Um, mm. And I think that's a lot more of an honest response than some of the other responses I've seen where they're like, he's not addressing the father allegations enough and he's just pandering to streaming <laughs> numbers and whatever. But yeah. we're going to talk streaming numbers first and we're going to talk about the commercial performance of Scorpion. This is an album that, certi that was certified platinum in one day. Wow. It broke day one streaming records on both Spotify and Apple Music by some pretty ridiculous margins. So on Spotify... Poor Post Malone. Poor Posty. Ugh. You said that, not me. Um... <laughs> <laughs> on Spotify, Scorpion got 132.5 million streams, which is a new record in one day. Previous record holder was, like you mentioned, Post Malone, whose recent album Beer Bongs and Bentleys had only 78.5 million streams. That's a pretty big margin. But if you look over at Apple Music, Scorpion had over 170 million streams, which is almost twice as many streams as the previous day one record set by Drake with More Life. Oh and more life gosh. more life had about 90 million streams that's almost twice as much and overall in the u.s alone first week streams of scorpion reached 746 million three quarters of a billion streams in one country in one week and then there are the billboard records drake is the first musician to ever simultaneously debut four new songs in the top 10 not only that he has broken the beatles's previous record for the most simultaneous songs in the top 10 the Beatles had the previous record with five songs in the top 10. There was that one week in 1964, I believe, where they owned all of the top five, which is still an unbroken record wow. to this day. But Drake uh, now holds the record for most top 10 hits simultaneously with seven. He has seven of the top 10. And on top of that, he has 27 entries on the Hot 100. <sighs> he, has, he has a quarter of the Hot 100 to his name. Why? And as if, that if that wasn't enough... It, it goes on. I was telling someone this last night. I was trying to get them to guess these other three albums. So Scorpion is only the fourth album in history to spawn seven top ten hits. I'll give you a little bit of time at home to guess. Think about it. They're all 80s albums. What could they be? What had massive singles? Do, do, do. All right, time's up. You got Rhythm Nation, 1814 by the incomparable Janet Jackson. You've got Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen. And, of course, you have a little album called Thriller by Michael Jackson. <laughs> Those are the other three albums along with Scorpion to spawn seven top 10 hits. And speaking of Michael Jackson, who awkwardly enough, as we mentioned in both of our uh, chart debuts, Michael Jackson shows up on Scorpion. Uh, Don't Matter to Me was a track built around an unreleased uh, Michael Jackson song. And so his voice is there right alongside Drake's, which is a little eerie. Uh, Drake passes Michael Jackson for the most top 10 hits among any solo male artist with 31 this places him at a tie for third place, along with Rihanna, for the most top 10 hits ever behind only two artists. One, the Beatles, who are in second place with 34 top 10 hits, and the artist with the most top 10 hits ever, which is Madonna, who has 38. <sighs> wow. I don't think I would have guessed that. I actually wouldn't have either, but maybe that's just because we're youngins. 
yeah. <laughs> uh, who have come of age in the wake of Madge's success. Mm. I hear that's what I hear that's what they called her, Madge. Madge. But if you like Caitlin are tired of hearing about broken records, I'm going to briefly address the gossip, the drama, the conflama, all of it surrounding Scorpion, namely the fact that Drake is now a father. Uh. I had a similar response to the Cardi B offset drama. I I I'm bad at caring about this side of popular music, but I don't want to discount the fact that it's important. Um, you know, the celebrity component of pop is totally relevant and a part of how people consume music. I just personally am bad at picking it apart and caring about it. Um, but mm. I, I still need to bring it up. This is, yeah, go for it. No, I mean, I think in terms of the drama, and this is something that is kind of more in my wheelhouse, I yep. feel like. When I heard about it, I, I didn't care, but I also, and that's hard for me because I do like to care about juicy things like this, <laughs> but I was kind of like, so you had a, a kid with a porn star and no one knew about it. And now, like, was that a marketing ploy that it just came to light before the release of this album? Maybe. Maybe there's a well, deal that the mother is going to get a percentage of sales of Scorpion. And this, no, literally, like, I thought about all this stuff, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, we didn't, we couldn't find out this kid is now in his teens, right? Drake's kid. I don't know. I didn't actually dig too deep into this drama. But someone could have found that out. He was making payments for child support. Like, come on. And it just happened to be, like, right now. I'm pretty sure the child was born last week. Uh, or wow, sorry, not last week, last year, last year, 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 year. October. Oh. Is, October is in my mind. I don't know if that's actually accurate. But the whole reason I bring this up, if there is some sort of mass marketing conspiracy, then Pusha T would have to be in on it because he's kind of the whole reason that this is even in the public eye. If you recall, back in May, I was actually literally one month before Scorpion came out. Uh, Pusha T as part of his ongoing beef with Drake released The Story of Adidon, which was the song where he alluded to Drake's hiding of a child. And that was what sort of brought this whole narrative into the limelight. <gasps> okay. Sorry. So I didn't know it was want. born. Yeah. <laughs> no. So Drake's son was born on October 24th, which also happens yep. to be Drake's birthday. <sighs> so anyway, the kid is not a teenager. It is quite nope. young, but... This very young, you might say. Yeah, and, like, there are all of these things of, like, pictures and things of, like, literally last year, this woman getting on a plane with the baby, private jet, to go see Drake for Christmas, and, like, just saying, it's it's been out there for a long time, people. Like, stop giving money to Drake. Stop giving him your money. Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you just got to keep up on gossip blogs like Caitlin. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so Scorpion is an album that, in terms of content, only makes fleeting references to the fact that Drake is a father. And that's part of why I get a little frustrated with people who have expressed a desire that this album addressed that more directly. Because mm -hmm. the album came out literally one month after this story broke big. And... I think it's kind of an unreasonable expectation that someone who is putting together a 90-minute album would suddenly reconfigure the entire thing, but that's also kind of 
easy for me to say since I really like the album and I'm kind of settling into a bit of a role as a Drake defender, which I don't know how I feel about, but I might as well go whole hog with that. So I'm here to tell you, dear listener, that while critical consensus on this is kind of mixed to lightly positive, I'm here to tell you that Scorpion is an excellent album. Does it (laughs) hear me out? (laughs) Hear me out. Does it do anything radically different? No. Are some people tired of Drake's current persona? Yes. And as I mentioned earlier, I think that's totally understandable. Like I, I'm not there, but I totally get that. So people have made a lot of noise about the fact that this album is divided into two halves, uh, sort of reductively. There's the rap half and then there's the R and B half. Obviously Drake's whole style is kind of founded on a fusion of those two things. Um, so it's not that clean of a division in practice on the album. Uh, but in the two, in talking about two songs here, I do want to pick ones that are going to kind of emphasize different parts of that fusion. So we're going to start with the rapping. We're going to finally shut me up and we're going to listen to Mob Ties. Hey, sickity, sickity, hide some help. Get rid of these, sickity. Move to the Ritz, turn out the hey. It is what it is, yeah. GLE, cause that limo moving fast. S class, G class, lot of class. In a rocket, in that ain't got no tags. Louis bags, in exchange for body bags, yeah. I'm sick of these, sick of these. Hire some help, get rid of these. What it was, it is what it is. Whatever you did, it is what it is, and I'm so tired. For the mob, and I got ties. Knock you off to pay their ties. They want me gone, but don't know why. It's too late for all that lovey dovey. I'm your brother. All that other. It's too late for all that. It's too late for all that. Hey, it's too late for all that lovey dovey. I'm your brother. All that other. It's too late for all that. Hey, it's too late for all that. Hey, Caitlin, somebody could write a book about how incredible the production is on this album. Perhaps a dissertation. I definitely don't want to write my dissertation about Drake. (laughs) (laughs) But if in the future someone needs me to write a book about the production on this album, I might put my name forward because, man, this beat is just so good. So you have this guitar sample at the beginning. For some reason, in my mind, you know, sometimes we talk about what sort of mental images sounds conjure up for us and in my mind that guitar it's very distant sounding and it sounds like you're out in some sort of like western canyon maybe like (laughs) new mexico or something like that and it's nighttime the stars are in the sky i'm also from the mountain west slash southwest so that's probably part of it Mm. but then but then you so you have the guitar sample and then you have the hi-hat and the snare that come in but then you ask yourself where's the kick because it's pretty sparse I, I know you you were clearly asking yourself that and, and I'm here to I, tell you mm-hmm. that the kick is there <laughs> <laughs> the kick is there but it keeps spluttering at the end of each phrase you get that kind of perhaps this might be a bridge too far this is kind of a stretch but given the song being about Drake's alleged mob ties which I think Caitlin and I can both roll our eyes at maybe maybe that maybe that kick sounds like the patter of gunfire Mm. maybe probably not it's probably a stretch but what i do want to point out is the fact that once you hit the chorus 
you might expect like other songs the chorus is the biggest part of the song so you might expect the kick to really kick huh, into high gear or you might expect a, a much more prominent bass presence to come in and that doesn't happen instead you get a couple more kicks added to the pattern particularly at the beginning of each phrase and then you have a bass that enters but it's this really faint low in the mix just these kind of rumbles they just kind of outline the harmonic pattern and don't really fill the space up that much so there's this weird sort of like it all feels very tenuous and sort of fragile in a way that i find actually really kind of beautiful like there's something really striking about that beat to me um i uh, felt like the beat <laughs> was like eating a stale tortilla chip but that's just me <laughs> i felt like the beat was like eating a fresh cucumber while we're making Ooh. food analogies <laughs> so, yeah and then i didn't even address like at, at the very end of the clip there you get this synth like to keep things from from growing stale there's that synth that kind of comes in and starts pulsing between left and right channels and it adds this uh, adds a timbral variety but also adds a rhythmic variety um which is something that drake himself is already demonstrating across the duration of the song um you get the part where once that synth comes in drake roughly sort of doubles that rhythm the lovey dovey hmm, lovey dovey hmm. that's mm. my drake impression but then there's another flow entirely for the verse and then there's the part near the end of the chorus where he throws in a brief triplet the uh too late for all that da, da, da. and there's just there's such a variety within like a what a three and a half minute song or something like that that mm. i think speaks to how savvy and talented of a musician drake is which is something that kind of gets we'll say discounted or overlooked and speaking of which we're going to transition to the other song because I'm already going way long on this beloved album. We're going to talk about Summer Games. I expected more from you, honestly. Said you want a simple life and that's not me. How you go from that to ending up with someone just like. How can you be angry on a night in July and be warm with me when it's freezing outside you're confusing me. Don't have me wasting my time Yeah You said I love you too fast So much for that Cause summer just started and we're already done I kept it decent I kept you sane I kept it peaceful, don't I? I kept it decent Caitlin, I feel like a broken record because the production, uh, the beat, uh, it's, it sounds so good. Again, I still don't have a great grasp on the difference between a phaser and a flanger. It's one of those two on the synthesizer that's just going back and forth between the channels. You've got mm -hmm. that throughout the entire song. And then just throughout the course of the song, you have this layering that goes on that just builds and builds and builds. Obviously, you have those booming drums, again, um, often organized around triplets, always a fan of triplets. Uh, but then you also get the hand claps that come in. I, if I recall correctly, at first they're on every off beat and then they're just on every beat. 
and so there's a, a nice sort of trajectory. There's a build throughout the song there. And then, man, I really like Drake's voice, both in general and also on this track in particular. Like, I, this is going to sound contradictory and this is going to sound like nonsense, but to me, for, on this track, there is both a vulnerability and a distance to this track. Mm-hmm. Somehow Drake sounds very warm, especially on those low notes he hits. There's this grain to them that is very... Uh, inviting but there's also kind of an iciness um, later after the clip we played um, there's a part where his vocal line kind of just starts repeating itself a little bit like it gets stuck in a loop and that has this kind of alienating kind of uncomfortable effect and sort of two thoughts on that front on one hand it kind of suits the lyrical content perhaps because the chorus you know is talking about how can you be warm with me summer while it's freezing outside winter you've got this sort of conflict of temperatures we'll say which is something i can always relate to but also i think that might kind of get to the heart of why people are frustrated a little bit with drake because i think for some people the vulnerable sort of persona feels kind of like posturing is the impression Mm -hmm. i get and i don't know if you feel differently but i've definitely read some people that are kind of fed up with you like oh i'm sad and but i'm also the greatest woe is me like that sort of self-pitying stance to some people feels very performative we'll say yeah i mean i think as much crap as kanye west gets about his persona and kind of similar points to what you were just saying of you know, the self-pity, self-whatever, and I'm a god status, you know? Yeah. I feel like Drake... I don't want to say this and come off as rude, but his voice, his singing voice, is just not good. He is He's not quite articulate. He has all of these, like, uh, kind of things, like... The notes to me, and I think that is at the heart of why I really dislike this album, because he does a lot of singing in this, especially in those R&B tracks, kind of how Tanner mentioned The Divide earlier. And I'll also say something that I've noticed, especially looking at all of these chart debuts side to like one after the other, is that a lot of people are just listening to the raps. as And there are a couple, I think, outliers in this, but attention spans are not getting through all 20 whatever tracks these are and i i don't know i i have a very very sad kind of take on this album because i thought maybe this would be the time when i would really start getting into drake and i'm still back on more life i i prefer i guess those songs a little bit more this one just struck me as kind of like an attempt at being a Kanye West and trying to produce something that was, I don't know, weird samples that maybe Drake hasn't really used before in many of his songs. And I think it is cool, like that constant synth in Summer Games, the da 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 da. It's it's kind of soothing and lulling in a way, but it's also something that is not kind of in Drake's wheelhouse to begin with. I would say, and I'm rambling now. I'm just I don't have very articulate thoughts about these two songs but just it i'm sad i'm sad <laughs> i'm like drake i'm drake sad. is also sad we're all we are yeah. all drake right now i also just i think he's immature too like i don't 
I don't like listening about Instagram etiquette of like, oh, you were together and then Drake followed someone on Insta and then she blocked him. Like, I feel like my brain cells died as I was listening to that. <laughs> like, why do we care? Why do we have to care? I think it was you I was messaging when you were talking about the, the sort of Instagram fixation and how it felt like Drake himself could write like an op-ed talking about how Instagram has single-handedly ruined women and how it has <laughs> just completely destroyed his life in this very yeah. sort of overdramatic way. But, Caitlin, we've been talking about Scorpion a lot, but we're going to pivot mm. to our pick of the week, which I will let you introduce because it's not Drake. Woo! This song is called Big God. It is by Florence and the Machine from her recent album High as Hope. And this song in particular is a collaboration between Florence, Jamie XX, and Kamasi Washington, one of the people that I saw at Firefly this year. Kind of strange to see him at Firefly, but he played an incredible set. It was Father's Day. His dad was there. He came out and played. It was very, very cute. And I did not know this going into listening to Big God. But I was like, this is jazzy. This isn't kind of like that. It is edgy Florence, but not so much leaning towards rock. And I really, really liked it. Tanner also liked it. Perhaps uh, more than I did. You might even say I loved it. You might even say it's one of my favorite songs of the year so far. Man, I really Woo! like this. Okay, uh, should we listen to a clip first? Let's do it. Need a big girl. Caitlin, I don't think you could see it. Maybe you could. I was headbanging while we were listening to that. <laughs> I don't think I have ever. I don't think I have ever headbanged to a less metal song. I don't know yeah. if that makes any sense, but may, okay. I th so we talked about the first single from this album. I'm blanking on the name. It was Sky Full of Song. Yes, that's what it was. Which I still am not a fan of. Um, I listened to the album that this was on as you mentioned high as hope and i like the album i was i was into it as a whole um but this song in particular just completely blew me away even before podcast prep i mentioned when we were talking about high as hope that i was not terribly familiar with florence and the machine but i and i i, I was kind of wary of them because everything i had heard about florence and the machine made them sound like they were more in the like big bold anthem line of business mm. and as anyone who has spent more than five seconds around me knows it's not entirely my thing but you know 
had to and was l- looking forward to somewhat listening to this album, I was not expecting to be so completely bowled over by this song. It is menacing. It is brooding. It is uncomfortable. I mean, dark. It's dark. Um, We were talking about. I I was talking about layering of instrumental elements with the uh, with the Drake song "Summer Games." This is that on kind of a whole other level. Like you just start with that piano line and it persists through the song, and then uh, those horns come in sort of near the back half, and the drums are very simple. But there is this very raw and sort of harsh sound to the snare. There's this thwack. There's this like lurching feel to it. And then lo and behold, last night I found out that there's a music video to it. And it's Florence and some other dancers who are dancing in this like pool of black water or something like that. Doing increasingly like aggressive and sort of surreal movements and it is a fantastic video that i think really speaks to why this song is so incredible um and i know there was a part near the end that you wanted to particularly shout out as something you enjoyed yeah (laughs) oh my gosh i used to make this noise and i'll play the clip so you guys know exactly what i'm talking about but to annoy my siblings we you do like the voice creak like And it's like, and that's what Florence does at the end. Let me, let me just play it. Let me play it. So that's so scary. It's so scary. And something also that I love about this and especially the end of the song is that it reminds me a lot of the instrumentation that Lana Del Rey used for her album Honeymoon and it was all like acoustic really jazz focused instruments and I just think this collaboration is off the chain and that is why it's our pick of the week so with that I'd like to thank you all for listening to Char Chat where we consider ourselves not big gods but small ones Teeny if tiny. you'd like <laughs> teeny small, very small. If you would like to listen to all of this past week's chart debuts, you can find YouTube and Spotify playlists in the show notes. And if you have any questions, feedback, or corrections, you can get in touch with us via email at chartchatcast at gmail.com. Also, if you're interested in following us on social media, I'm sure Drake would be. You can find us on Twitter at ChartChat and on Instagram also at ChartChat. Also, please rate and review our podcast if you have a second. We would greatly appreciate it. ChartChat's intro theme was written by Peter Kelly and our cover art made by Billy Phillips, both from Coronation Media. Coronation Media is a creative studio specializing in video production, animation, and graphic design. To learn what they can do for your company or organization, visit www coronationmedia.com. Chart Chat is a proud member of the Tej.fm network from WTJU Radio. To learn more, visit Tej.fm. That's T-E-E-J dot F-M. Thanks again for listening to Chart Chat. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Tanner. And we will catch you next week. The places that I go I still like you the most You know
always be my favorite ghost.